Welcome back to the Gate 15 Risk Roundtable. As we continue into the second month of 2021, we've had some great January podcasts with a cybersecurity evangelist continued focus on the ISAC community. They're nerd out looking at the domestic threats with a look back at the capital siege and ongoing threats relating to extremism. And I had the opportunity to interview a good friend to this team as I spoke with the CEO of Advanced Intelligence. Exciting stuff. I'm excited to get into this month's Risk Roundtable. Jen, Dave, welcome back. How are we doing today? Hola. Happy day before Groundhog Day. So Groundhog Day Eve. I guess. Did we cancel Groundhog Day because of the severe severe weather? I mean, is that are we still doing that? Oh no, 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 no. Groundhog Phil comes out. There's only been like a couple times where he hasn't. Although, does he have COVID? Maybe I don't know. Maybe who knows? And who knows? I mean, Maybe. while some care, I can tell you, I don't. But that's besides <laughs> the point altogether. So. I'll have to say, like Groundhog Day, also is a highly underrated film by Bill Murray. It's an excellent film. It, uh, I never saw it growing up. And then I heard, you know, this people were talking about it. I was like, you know what? I, I got to go on and watch this show. And and I was 100% thoroughly enjoyed the movie. I did yeah, too. Bill, I just watched it recently within the last year or so myself for the first time, like as an adult. Yeah, it's it's, it's, it's a lot of fun. His Nothing though is better than his old Saturday Night Live, right? I mean, Bill Murray's Saturday Night Live is, is I think, especially now when so many people like just never saw it, you know, and we're not in the days of, like rewatching VHS, so people aren't seeing like the old tapes that we used to have. And I think there's so much history on SNL now that um, people watch more modern, old stuff from SNL. So whole, all that, Steve Martin, you know, Bill Murray, Chevy he, Chase, Chevy Chase, yeah. and even like some of the '80s stuff with like Joe Piscopo and Eddie Murphy. All that's like, you know, that, that's foreign to people. You, you know, Will Ferrell scratching the surface for a lot of people, although. Obviously, the greatest SNL clip of all time is Will Ferrell. But that's besides the point. We're probably getting ahead of ourselves and away from the focus of today's discussion. So we'll come back to visit all of that. Maybe talk about more cowbell another day. <laughs> but for today, so January, maybe some really good podcasts in January, right? Can you guys do a little preview as far as what's coming up for you this month on the Evangelist and Nerd Out? Um, so, yeah, this month, I'm going to actually finally air the segment with Dave. Dave's going to be talking about the real estate ISAC and we will also have uh, Maya from the faith-based ISAC. Well, you're going to have at least half of a really good show then. So that's good. That's Mm -hmm. good. That's really good. Plus whatever that is I have. I tried not to talk too long either. I tried to keep my short bursts. That's again, my goal for this year. Short bursts, short bursts. You did well on that one because you had a hard stop. So that's good. You did. We need more hard stops. Well, I'll I'll, I'll take a listen and come back to you with some some loving feedback, Dave. But that's that's still a couple of weeks away. I'm looking forward to that. And then, Dave, anything special for the nerd out coming up? You know, Andy, I I try to plan these things out. And I I think I do a pretty good job of identifying potential events that we could talk about there. But then something happens and we all just crumble it up and throw it in the trash. I I think, you know, this is, we'll talk a little bit about this. In, on this podcast a little bit about some significant events upcoming, uh, some you know hostile events that have occurred over the previous years that are, are good reminders as we look forward. And, and I think we'll talk a little bit about Singapore today, but um, but we'll talk a little bit about that. And, and then we'll also have some ideas that come up uh, later. I, I heard nothing you said because I was watching your dog jump up and dance yeah. around behind you while you were talking. So I completely... 
I completely lost anything that you're saying. So we we had we got a cat for Christmas. That was one of the my wife's wanted she she wanted a cat for Christmas, and the cat's been great. He's been amazing, and and the dog is is still a puppy. He's under two years old, and and um they just love going after each other. And I was like, hey guys, I, I'm trying to record a podcast here. We got to settle this thing down. They both of them during the day from eight o'clock until four o'clock, they don't do a dang thing. They sit on their butts, they sleep all day, but then right around four o'clock, they just get after it. And now they can't stop them. They, it's, the cat usually, the cat likes to get on my Zoom calls. I mean, it's just- Well, it's I'm, I'm, I'm hoping to get a cameo. I'm hoping to get a cameo here. So we can only look forward to that as we get into today's discussion. So, hey, before we get into the real discussion, I'll say I'm also really excited about this month's interview. I had the opportunity to talk with a good friend to our team, Mark Herrera, with the International Association of Venue Managers. Mark's been a good friend for a long time. Uh, we met up process again. We actually get to do our interview, but we met back in the Ebola crisis back in 2014 uh, when a lot of us started to really get anxious about the idea of a pandemic. And here we are seven years later li living it out. So uh, despite being a Cowboys fan like you, Dave, uh, just like I, I put up with your you know, bad, bad choices in life, I can also tolerate Mark's being a Cowboys fan as well. So really excited to do that later this month and, and, and share all the podcasts with everybody. But let's get into today. So a lot of exciting things, Dave, not sure that's the right word to use, but a lot of exciting things happening in your universe right now. You already touched on some of that, talking about what's coming up in the, the nerd out with a lot of extremism concerns across all stripes and flavors. Where do you want to start us off with this month? Well, it'll surprise no one if you've heard any of these podcasts or nerd out or you've read anything that I've published. Uh, I, I'm, I'm doing the humble brags right now. Any, anything that I've published out on uh, Homeland Security Today does or- Does not sound humble. Does not sound humble. That's right. I'm, I'm never humble. So, I mean, I, obviously we're very concerned about hostile events and active shooter situations. And, and we do a thing called the hostile events attack cycle that we plan to plug uh, and promote. Uh, with the white paper later this year, but but last week we did have another uh, terrorist plot disruption, and it uh, was involving a 16-year-old boy um, in Singapore who was arrested for planning a um, Christchurch, New Zealand-style attack. In fact, he emulated a lot of um, the attackers' um, tactics and techniques for you know selecting the target. And then gathering the information, you know, weapons and stuff that he would need, uh, and planning this. He was watching, you know, he's one of his weapons was going to be a knife, and so he was watching knife videos on YouTube. To you can you can learn anything on YouTube these days. Washing, fixing a dryer, or uh, knifing someone. So, um, so it, that was a big event that came up, and and he was planning on doing it on the two year anniversary. Uh, which is March 15th. And I, I think the big takeaway from this, and we know these are out there, but you know, the, the key, two key points here was online radicalization that he was going through during this period of time and whether the restrictions, you know, enabled that a little bit more or just uh, accelerated his radicalization process. He was already going down. We'll have to learn more of that later. But we talked about this a year ago when you're confined to your own public spaces, especially in the early parts of the restrictions when nobody was really getting out and you were really locked down and had nothing to do but get online and watch Netflix or, or you know, go to the deep dark uh, places in the web, you, you're gonna find some reason to, to be angry about something and, and people are gonna be, you know, re, you know, 
there's there's material out there for that. So it'll be interesting to see what happens as we start opening back up for one that online radicalization part. But two is is we did some research on this two years ago about the impact of copycats and, and anniversaries. And, and they're two separate areas, but within some of these extremist uh, beliefs and ideologies, there is a lot of homage paid to those individuals who carried out attacks before them. But, you know, we've seen this in the incel movement. We've seen this on the um, hardcore extremist groups, the white nationalist extremist groups who emulate, you know, the Norway attack, New Zealand, Dylan Roof from Charleston, uh, those type of attacks. So, so we have those significant events coming up. And we also have religious holidays uh, coming up. The big, you know, we this year we have, you know, Passover, Easter, and Ramadan all occurring uh, within about four or five weeks. And, and so that's a big event for these hate-based actors. And I think it's just something we're going to have to really play on to that. So that's kind of what I'm looking at right now. I mean, we have the NTAS that just came out as well that reinforced a lot of those points, but we can talk about that in a, in a little bit. So yeah, you touched on a lot of things that I, I want to talk about, and we won't be able to get into all of them today. But you know, with with the radicalization piece, um, I think a, a lot of this is for stuff we've seen before, and you can talk about in the hospital attack cycle that you already mentioned is something we've seen played out so many times. But what really sort of stuck with me from this one was just that the fact this kid was 16, right? And we've seen we've seen men do this, we've seen adult men do this, we've seen younger adult men do this, but. You know, I mean, I, I've got a 16-year-old, I've got an 18-year-old, and so just kind of thinking through, like, what it takes for someone that young to get radicalized to the point where they're, I mean, writing a manifesto, right, and get ready to seriously try and take action, like, that's that's a lot to take in when you think about it, you know, so young, so, so violent in what he was envisioning, and to think through all those things that we've seen in previous attacks, that, you know, like I said, paying homage to, to previous attackers and aligning the dates, and just so many things that are really, really interesting, concerning. I mean, it, it, it is a, it, it is something I look forward to finding more out about and, and understanding more what happened to this young man and you know, what, what really occurred. Yeah, I think it's, it's interesting because the 16 year old part, obviously, I mean, I think that's usually in some of these attacks, the ones that have been disruptive or disrupted have been because somebody noticed something unusual or suspicious. And, and, and it's going to be interesting in this period of time when you know, you, these kids may not be in schools. They may be doing dis distance learning. They may not have a lot of social interaction with kids outside of their own, you know, cluster. Are, are people going to notice these? And are we going to dismiss those type of indicators because we're like, oh, it's just, he's been confined in the house. You know, we keep coming back to mental health over and over again. I, I think that's going to be something that's a long-term impact for, as we see some of these cases down the road, what type of mental health impact did COVID have? N not necessarily the disease, but the, the effects of the disease. Yeah, it really is interesting. You know, I think about, it's, it's going to be, you know, he's more interesting at times because it's, it's always associated with, with bad things. But to me, interesting to see what happens as, you know, vaccines really do get out, we achieve some level of normalcy again. There's no doubt, I don't think, that some of the, the, the intensity that we've seen, some of the you know, the, the protests and planning and anger and frustration has been expressed over recent months. Some of that is attributable to the fact people have been cooped up and have had a chance to radicalize or, or dive into some beliefs maybe they didn't really hold on to quite as strongly before, associate with others that hold on to some of those beliefs. 
fire each other up, right? And, and go out and express those in ways that maybe aren't the healthiest. And so part of me wonders, you know, when we do get people back out and going, how much of this spills over because now they can go out and conduct these wild acts and how much of this sort of fizzles out as people say, hey, you know what? I just want to go watch a movie or you know, I, want, I want to go to the club. I want, to, I want to go out and eat dinner with my friends at the pizza place or whatever. And does some of this, you know, pass over as people achieve normalcy again? And I don't think we know. And I don't, I don't think we're going to know until we you know, really get into this God willing post-pandemic phase, but it's both exciting and scary to think about where this might be going. Yeah, I mean, I yeah, for sure. I mean, the the, the, the long-term impacts are, are going to be tremendous, and and I think it's it's, uh, and I think in a lot of respects have have these things always been present, and, and we're just now, um, you know, it's been accelerated. The, those beliefs have been accelerated, being confined, or or were they the result of uh, of something? So I I think. I hate to say time will tell, but it, it, I mean, we'll have to be very closely monitoring this. I think it's important for organizations to, to closely monitor when people start coming back into the office place again, um, especially ones that like, like I mean, I, I haven't been in an office in over a year now. And so what's gonna happen when I start seeing people um, for the first time in, in an office environment again? And, and are we trained enough as organizations to recognize behaviors and should we even be discriminators of those behaviors? Shouldn't we just report those behaviors? Those are things organizations are going to have to talk through as we bring everybody back in, into the office. Yeah, I hope people, hopefully people are starting to think about sort of proactively approaching security, you know, welcoming people back in. It's almost, I mean, Dave, you and I have both gone through this, right? It's almost like when you come back from a deployment overseas, there's a transition back to normalcy that the military tries, tries to put you through. How good that is, we can argue another day. But they try and sort of bring you back to civilian life and reacclimate it back to your family in a way that's safe and constructive for everybody. And almost feel like something like that's gonna be necessary as people get back into the workplace and get back around people that they may or may not agree with and you know things that irritate us and just a lot of things we haven't been exposed to in a while. And so I really hope that you know, leaders are being thoughtful from both a general leadership standpoint, a health and wellness standpoint, certainly a security standpoint and thinking about this. I wanna come back and talk upcoming dates with you in just a second, but Jen, anything you wanna add from your end as far as some of the you know, extremism and, and violence and concerns we have in this, this COVID period? Um, actually, no. Um, I, the only thing I'm going to do is point out, um, Dave's last podcast, Nerd Out. Um, it, it had some great, to coin Dave's phrase, great points. Um, but I could, I mean, I listen to everybody, everybody's wonderful, but I could listen to Bridget like all day. Um, so I'm just going to leave it there and just point everybody, if you haven't listened to nerd, the last Nerd Out security panel discussion, please do that. Yeah, I agree. And I assume that Dave Venmoed you some money earlier before this podcast to get that plug. So well played, well played. But Dave, yeah. before, we, before we move into Jen's topics, there are some interesting dates coming up. We already touched on sort of the alignment of some of the religious holidays coming up here pretty soon with you know, Christian, Muslim, and Jewish calendars all lining up for major events in a pretty close period of time, which opens up a number of maybe not related concerns, but never opportunities for those who seek to do harm against people of faith, whether it's assigned to you know one faith they're angry about or you know, they, they hate people of faith across the board, but are there other dates you're sort of looking at right now? You know, he's coming out of the inauguration period and some of the upcoming events, anything on your calendar, anything you're sort of thinking, hey, be, be aware of, be thinking about these things? You know, I, I think there's a, there's a couple of dates. I, I, I mean, this week we have the, the Parkland, uh, Florida high school shooting that occurred. Uh, I think it was 17 deaths uh, from that, that, uh, that attack that occurred this week, um, two, a couple of years ago. 
Um, as I, we mentioned earlier about the uh, New Zealand uh, Christchurch uh, shooting in which 51 people were killed in 2019. And so I think you have a lot of those type of uh, incident, those two type of incidents. But then we also have, I mean, if you want to get into the world of conspiracy theories and such, I mean, the, the, um, for the QAnon followers who have been wildly dismayed since the inauguration of Joe Biden, um, they, they are now pointing towards uh, the 4th of March now as the date uh, in which, uh, pre you know, who they believe the rightful president is. Uh, Trump will come back into office and uh, make the mass arrests and, and institute martial law and everything else they believe in. So th those are three three significant dates that are upcoming that, that we just, again, we don't necessarily always have evidence that are a direct a threat is a credible threat is going to occur on those dates, but those are important dates to just remember and and know that we let let's pull out the plans, let's think about things. Do we have any risk? Do we have any vulnerabilities? And and what can we do to to reduce that risk and and let's at least address it head on as opposed to taking us off guard. So that's all I'd call out right now. Yeah, I appreciate that. I just want to plug a post that I think we both appreciate last week. Uh, in Bellingcat last week, there's a good article sort of talked about the shifting, uh, you know, shifting beliefs of the QAnon movement, right? And it is called uh, the QAnon timeline: four years, five thousand drops, and countless failed prophecies. And this sort of talks about the ability for, and this, this isn't only tied to the QAnon community, right? But when somebody believes something so completely, it's easy to sort of shift how those beliefs fit into the current environment, right? And into hold on to those beliefs, even they don't really seemingly make sense to others anymore. And there's been a lot of, you know, poking fun of different beliefs and across the board, right? We're talking about faith or, or you know, conspiracy theories or, or other beliefs people hold on to. But it is important to note how folks can sort of hold on to those beliefs despite the reality around them and shift their focus to fit into that reality. And so I think we're seeing some of that right now with, you know, shifting dates and, you know, new ways to rationalize and justify what's going on. And so you do want to be mindful of those things. A really good post. I'll share the link in the podcast post when, when this goes out. And uh, just, you know, as we talk about major religious events, we talk about, uh, you know, the, the presidential election and inaugurations and, you know, events that could be also worth keeping an eye out on, you know, other such sort of potential flashpoint events like the uh, upcoming uh, trial for relating to the George Floyd protests, I think in early March, you know, all these can be sensitive times, flashpoints. And as we've seen through so many incidents, it doesn't take a lot for a protest or demonstration to escalate because of one, two, or many bad actors that want to see confrontation. So it'll be interesting to see where all these things go. But I'll hold there. I'm going to shift over to Jen. I know Jen's got some insights she wants to share. Before I do, I just want to throw something out there for anybody that's listening. Just before this podcast started recording, we were talking about the idea of potentially going to a, a video format for these podcasts, which Jen was adamantly saying no to. So we welcome your feedback and input if you think it'd be fun to. Uh, to see some of these on video and not just to tickle your ears with, please let us know and, and help Dave and I counter Jen's uh, anti-propaganda. With that, Jen Walker, yours. I'm speechless right now. So I typically have those, the cyber uh, perspective. So I just wanna say from a cyber perspective, I love it when we get to score one for the good guys. And as Andy pointed out in our prep, as he said also is that I love alliteration. So with that, um, everybody's everlasting email enemy, Emotet, 
has been eradicated or nearly eradicated. Um, throughout this whole thing, they, they announced it on last Wednesday or at least Wednesday to the US. Um, but the, the jingle, Ding Dong, Witch is Dead, keeps playing over and over in my head when I think about Emotet being dead, but whatever. Um, but yes, in a globally coordinated effort that they dubbed Operation Ladybird, I haven't delved into why but uh, global law enforcement from the Netherlands, Germany, the United States, the United Kingdom, France, Lithuania, Canada, and Ukraine. So I thought that was an interesting list, um, but they all globally came together and dealt a crippling blow to the kingpin of email adversaries. Okay, so there's, there's not the alliteration there, but I still had those vowels, the email adversaries. Anyway, um, and then shortly after the press release, uh, Authors at uh, reporters at ZDNet uh, reported that law enforcement in the Netherlands are going to be deploying an update to this malware um, that will remove any remaining infections. Well, they say they said as of March 25th, 2021, but some people were showing some screenshots. And if you interpret the zero in the code being January, then they say then three actually represents April. I don't know if that's like some Y2K remnant deal, but so anywhere between March 25th and April 25th. Um, if you're thinking, why wait to kind of crook for, further cripple or put it put the kill switch down um you know it's emotet is responsible for so many other threats back in the day it, it, it when it kind of first came out it was its own entity and it was its own malware and it would infect and capture your keystrokes and your login credentials and whatnot and then it became what they call um a dropper and it packages up other malware along with it that could ultimately lead to things like ransomware um, and all their notable other phishing um, attacks in between that. And if you kind of cut the head off of that beast, if you will, then it's really difficult to detect um, the other activity that it that it dropped. So victims need an opportunity that now that this is dead, they really need to clean up their networks. If you're, you know, kind of an enterprise or a small business or medium business, you need to look for this activity so that you can clean it, clean, clean up your endpoints. And the same thing with, you know, individuals as well. Not that individuals know what to look for, but run those scans, keep your, you know, operating systems up to date and whatnot. Um, so yeah, that was pretty much it um, for me on that one. Uh, it, although it remind, kind of reminded me of like, I, I hope, I don't know, Dave, Andy, if you remember this, but uh, do you remember Conficker back in like 2008? Yes, yes no? Yes. Yes, yes okay. I, I just, this makes me feel like this is, I'm, I'm, I hope that Emotet doesn't come out to be the new, the, the next conficker where it just lasts forever and ever and ever. But I have those, I'm having that reminiscence that, that I'm afraid that might happen. Well, that's going to bring you, that's going to say, Jim, it, it is different. You know, conficker was different in, in sort of what it was, but that's been my right. question to you is really, you know, these things do get disrupted and they're, they're always worth celebrating when they do, but do we ever really succeed in completely killing them? Right. Or, or, or are we worried that, you know, hey, we've taken down this infrastructure but can it resurface? Do we need to be worried about the potential you know, for these things to, 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 to jump back up? Is, is it really whack-a-mole or, or do we have confidence that, hey, you know, th this threat has been killed? 
Yeah, usually it's, so I feel like when these these global efforts, um, I mean, I don't know, again, I haven't read into the Operation Ladybird to see how long that, that was been going on, but um, it, I feel pretty good when it's like this, this big global effort like this, that they can deal a pretty big blow. That said, that when one door closes, <laughs> another one opens and there's, there's almost always somebody to take that place. Now that said, Emotet's been pretty virulent for a while and is kind of stood on its own when it can't, comes to those, you know, the, uh, those fishing campaigns. Um, so it, it, it might be a little while at least before something takes its place. Um, I know we've had some other takedown. Well, no, they weren't takedowns. I'm thinking other, other actors have closed their doors like maze ransomware. And I can't remember the other one right now. And, you know, others are taking their place, but, um, I, I always think that when there's like a global effort, like, oh, okay, yeah, we'll see. But I think by and large, when, when, um, it's, it's fairly complete again, not to say something else isn't going to come back up, but, um, and, the, the sheer volume of threats, you know, is, is, is still there, but, um, you know, another day, another emotet is, is definitely significantly reduced. That's my two cents on that one. Well, it, it is exciting. And uh, I mean, anytime, anytime the good guys do something like this, it's good. And you, you can see some of the nations you already mentioned. I think it's worth noting that our, our friends in Canada were also involved. The Royal Canadian Mounted Police were involved. I'd like to think that they're riding their horses while behind their desks, working on their computers, fighting cybercrime as well, or else they really shouldn't be calling themselves the RCMP. But that's another story as well. I'll include some of the links um, to, to the takedown post notifications from Europol and the DOJ with the podcast as well. And worth noting, you can hit, hit a link inside of those links. You can check if your email address was compromised uh, as part of you know, email test infrastructure. And you can, you can, you can check. You only respond back if you, in fact, were impacted. But it's a great thing to run the address know if you you know you were you were not compromised in that sense so jen appreciate that it's a, it's a good story it's nice to have an occasional good story and a good way to segment into our next area but dave before i go anything you want to add to, to jen share well i think she kind of hit it on the end there it's kind of the interesting part is some of these groups have been so you know involved in expanding their reach and and growing kind of car the cartel type of thing over the past years that it will be interesting to see if somebody's able to pick up the banner and maybe, you know, put it under a new name or, or something and say, hey, we've learned from them and, and you know, we, we have their skills and expertise. And now we're going to, you know, try to, you know, we'll call it someone else, but but we are effectively them. It'd be interesting to see that. The, these groups all kind of, I mean, Maze was a huge one when they shut, did it, they just shut down last in the last year, but they had really expanded out and become, you know, that ransomware as a service type of platform. And so it, it will be interesting. There's plenty of work out there for these groups. So, um, so somebody will, somebody, somebody new will just fill the void. We do see that. And I was looking for, for a post today and another um, ransomware group, Phonics ransomware group says they're shutting down. And to the point you're just making, Dave, you know, is, is it's sort of when it's a proactive shutdown, right? When the bad guys decide they're, they're, they're cashing in their chips and going another story, uh, it's different, I think, when, when, when the good guys take it down. And so, you know, in this, in this case, the ransomware group, you're seeing some folks saying, hey, you know, we're, we're not down with this, you know, closing shop and we're going to go 
look elsewhere on how we continue sort of our, our criminal behavior. So we'll be trying to see where this goes and only time will tell where in fact it does go, but um, we'll, we'll move on as time moves ahead away from us. So last month, Dave, we talked about you maybe getting some cool musical segue music for us. We transitioned to the roulette round. Anything? Did you succeed in that for us? Do you have a cool musical? You'll just have to wait and see if I'm able to get anything in the edit mode at, at this stage. So for now, it's just jazz hands again. So yeah, it's not going to happen today. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So so well, let's get into it. Our roulette round here. Any any uh, anything you want to throw our way, Dave? All right. So this is something I was just kind of going off of today. Is I was uh, thinking over the weekend, especially with this the Robin Hood, uh, Wall Street bets uh, news from last week. And I mean, obviously, you can all Google it and know what's happened. It was on every nightly news or news program, 24 hour channel. And, and when you have the likes of uh, Donald Trump Jr. and AOC agreeing that something was weird going on, you know, you've hit on some something here. So my thought is this, though, you know, we, what we saw from the Robin Hood group and the Wall Street bets is a group of individuals online who said, hey, look, there's an opportunity here to make some money and also to kind of take back what some of these hedge fund owner, you know, managers have done to us over the years. And, and, and here's a way that we can earn some money and, and, and kind of stick it to them as well. Let's all rally together and, and drive this stock price up. I mean, GameStop, we all have fond memories of GameStop. You know, we've been there hundreds of times, but we all know that it's not necessarily a, uh, the, at the Apple computers or whatever. It's not a burgeoning, bludgeoning program uh, or office. It, it's not worth the value of the stock, right? But this is what happened. S similarly, and I'm going to just bear with me here, but the Capitol Hill uh, riot that occurred, you had an opportunity here where, again, individuals have believed that they're being taken advantage of, uh, that their, vo their voice is not being heard, that and they have something to do with it and they, they can do something with it. Um, and, and they chose to, to violently march on the Capitol. So again, the two are not the same. One is making money and one is violent protest. But I think if you look at the method behind it is groups coming together under a common belief of feeling like they've been excluded. They've been left out for too long. They're not taking it, you know, there are, there's a select group of people, whether that be politicians or whether that be, um, whether that be politicians or whether that be, uh, you know, capitalists, um, those individuals are abusing their power and we need to stand up and take advantage of it. So I'm interested to hear your thoughts on, on what, you know, what your views of that may have been, but I, I you know, I, I think it's, this is a, potentially concerning trend moving forward about the, the ability to quickly mobilize around an issue and, and have some real impacts on financial markets, on politics, on you name it. Um, it just kind of struck me. Well, it's, it's an interesting way to, you know, to connect those two, David. I think you said some really good points. First, I've got to say, you know, despite Dave's assessment of the GameStop, uh, GameStop stock, Please don't take this podcast for financial advice. Just saying, forte, <laughs> right? So, so I was sitting there thinking, Dave's doing his only his his own little mini roulette round. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so you can reach out to Dave personally for his financial tips, but 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 please uh, don't don't blame me or Jen for those. 
But um, you, you make an interesting point, right? And I think that there's one of the phenomenon, we talk about blended threats all the time, right? The ability to use, to, to use and bleed over from different domains, impacting cyber to physical, physical to cyber, natural hazards to network in so many different ways. And there's one of those things where we see, you know, the ability of, of social media, you know, whether it's Twitter or Reddit, as was the case with GameStop or Parler or Telegram, or wherever people decide to, to meet and start having these discussions, to mass coordinate you know, po the population, be it virtually or physically for events, right? And, and we've seen that occur in both, you know, the, the, the stock surge and in, in organized protests. And, and that's, that's an interesting um, phenomenon. It's, it's, a, it's still a very newish sort of phenomenon. And it brings up a whole host of challenges, right? This is where we get into debates of, you know, what, what law enforcement wants and what, what privacy advocates want and encryption and backdoors. And it brings up a whole host of issues. And it's a challenge, I think, for all of us as, as security-minded folks, as, as citizens, to sort of wrestle with, you know, how do we balance these things in the best interest of, of the individual, of the, of the nation, of the community? And it's, it's, it's a really interesting debate. It's a really interesting time to be observing this. And like the way you sort of compared those two, they are different, but there are some similarities. It's really interesting, right? Being able to sort of take action collectively to to fight the man, right? Who doesn't like to fight the man? So I think it's really good. You know, as far as the actual, you know, as perspective-wise, um, you know, I was looking at the the actual games GameStop action. You know, markets are markets. Gambling is gambling. Call it whatever you want. And you know, to, to me, it's uh, it's a chance you take. I, I have no issue with it personally. You know, if any laws were broken, that's a separate issue. And I'm not a I'm not a finance guy to be able to really speak to that well. But I thought it was very interesting. I think that the the, the point you bring up is is very interesting. So really good, Jen. Anything you want to add to to Dave's observations? No. Just as many roulette round. I, I, his. Yeah, I, I just find it interesting. Like, I think there's, there's a common voice being talked about here that I think it might not. I mean, we're starting to see like that, that rebelling against the 1%. And, and whether that shows up in different ways, I, I'll be interested to see. I mean, I, mean I, I can't think of another example right now where that might, might show up. But yeah, you're right. I mean, I think there's a lot of, a lot of things here and I'm, I'm just playing my own mini roulette wheel in my head anyway so there's a lot happening in your own head so that's that's okay <laughs> to understand but I, I will say you know and, and again this sort of gets out of the lane of, of our security mission but it, it is very interesting to see you know the phenomenon of what we're seeing this we saw this play out in in the arab spring you know a, a decade ago and we see it now where the democratization of social media allows for people to take collective action in a way that was just unimaginable you know 20 years ago and agree with it or don't agree with it, it is, it is a fascinating time to, to see the ability of people to come together to take action against government, against somebody they don't like as, a, as an organization, against, against those that they see as you know, oppressive or, or whatever it is. That is something still very new and it's very interesting. And so it really is a unique time in our history to see this play out. I hope we, hope we navigate this smartly with thoughtful leadership, you know, both from, from the tech providers as well as our elected officials and the citizens. There's really a lot to think about. And there's always, you know, two sides to the coin, right? We need to think through both sides of these stories, or, or three sides of the stories, as a great old album from Extreme once said: "Yours, mine, and the truth." And it's good to think through all of those different things and, and really understand the, the threats and the benefits of what, of what we're seeing play out in our environment. So, good point, Dave. Good job with your mini roulette round. We appreciate that, Jen. Over to you. 
Uh, well, I just have one topic, but again, it's, it's of course, it's cyber related, but I was doing some research and, and writing some things about the SolarWinds um, compromise, if you will, or what's been dubbed the SolarWinds compromise. And I started thinking, kind of pose this question, you know, what impact does this actually have this the, what impact the solar winds actors infiltrating of cybersecurity firms what could that mean for our defense at large um, so the question was does solar does the solar winds compromise represent an infiltration of our security what i'm calling security software supply chain stack our security stack if you will all the different categories and and facets that that go into securing a computer or securing a network or you know securing an organization um, so again you know each new cybersecurity for, firm that came forward it just kind of has me going you know like hmm you know wow um, you know, it's like they're not just the actors aren't just looking for customers. I feel like they're looking for information on our defenses to subvert our customers and maybe our, um, you know, defenses at large. Um, you know, it just it seemed to me that there's just more than meets the eye here. Um, you know, these are widely used platforms, potentially, arguably the best of the best in their particular category. Um, yes, there are supply chain impacts and, and supply chain implications and the absolute need to secure the supply chain, but notwithstanding, you know, I, I just, I feel like there's, there's more. And, and while the United States isn't the only one that has victims, um, you know, victim organizations, the compromise of multiple private cybersecurity and technology firms and U.S. government agencies, it feels like an attack on our security and technology stack and the very fabric of our homeland defenses. Um, I think I said maybe on the last one, on the last risk roundtable, something like the sky's not falling, but the clouds are, are really low. You know, so I started thinking, you know, we have SolarWinds who provides this network monitoring and management. That's one component. And then we have cloud security. We had, you know, Microsoft was their Azure uh platform was, you know, leveraged. We have CrowdStrike and Malwarebytes, which represent endpoint detection and response. Forensics firms like FireEye, one of the first, you know, the first to leak it, but also had their own issue prior to that, that, that turned out to be related. Um, you know, other organizations that represent threat detections and vulnerability scanning, even virtualization software like VMware, um, email security and Mimecast. Uh, network communications, even big names you've heard, Cisco, um, and uh, telecommunications from Cox Communications, and even chip makers like NVIDIA. So my question is like, who's next? You know, what other cybersecurity verticals, like maybe mobile or authentication, password management, threat, threat intel, like what big name is going to be next? I'm just kind of, I'm kind of holding my breath waiting. Um, but it's like they're not just stealing our intellectual property for, you know, manufacturing or economic secrets, but they're literally infiltrating the organizations and agencies which protect us. So I, I kind of propose that for through fruit for thought. Um, I, you know, even if I'm way off base, it still serves to stress that why it's more important you know, than ever to trust but verify our security solutions, um, you know, not because they're doing anything wrong, but because they're doing a lot right and the actors are, are going after them for even, like I said, even if I'm wrong, then it isn't just about the security stack. But, um, you know, it, it, it just seems like they're undermining the very fabric of our cyber defenses. Yeah, it's a, it's a complex and, and deep challenge. And you did some really good writing on this topic, Joe, which I really appreciate. I think just sort of the, uh, 
to talk to what you've mentioned and sort of the, the broad array of victims from this and, and probably other threats too. I, I go back to, I think one of my, maybe my favorite tweet of 2020 and, and it was, was Maruna Sandvik who kindly joined me for the December risk, uh, I'm sorry, the December day 15 interview. And on the 18th of December, she tweeted, I suspect people will soon see FireEye not as the first to be breached, but the ones that uncovered this mess. And I just think how prescient that, that tweet was because um, I think really nobody quite understood what was happening. Certainly not the, the broad uh, number of organizations were impacted and, and really how complicated this, this is and how, how many uh, getting out of this, you know, sort of fix the systems um, that have been impacted and compromised. Like this is, this is, this is difficult. Well, <laughs> so, I saw a, a story along the way about that Palo Alto had discovered what turned out to be this, but they didn't think it was, you know, they, they just didn't think it was going to be that big. And so they mitigated it internally and for their customers, but they didn't, um, you know, they didn't share it with the broader community, which that's a whole nother ball of wax here, but they just didn't think it was going to be that big. So they thought it was an isolated incident, which is fine. I'm, I'm not, I'm, I'm not going to debate that, but, um, you know, fire I did to your point they're the ones that that broke it but other organizations even saw it before this yeah yeah for sure so it's a good thought an un unfortunate thought to, to to send that out with but but it's, it's a great topic we're we'll talking about solar winds i think for some time to come so we've touched on a lot of things today from the covid and the mental health impact of, of, of being in restricted environments extremism radicalization the ability to coordinate across social media some of these cyber threats from the good stories like Emotet's takedown to enduring challenges associated with the solar winds compromise. There's a lot going on in our environment. And I really appreciate the perspective both of you are able to share today in the individual podcasts that you both have and through a lot of the writing and reporting that you're sharing and, and reports out to the community and by our blog and elsewhere. So with all of those fun, cheery topics and positive discussion, we'll, we'll, we'll wrap things up with maybe some exciting personal activities. So Dave, you've been starting us off today for for some reason, we're letting you lead us off today. So anything you want to share from your seat before you wrap up? Well, you, you know my love of uh, TV and movies. So I, I'm just going to stick to that theme um, since I, I don't have anything to really cheer for on the sporting front. Um, so, you know, The Mandalorian wrapped up in December. It was a fabulous season. I'm excited about what's going on with the future. Of that. Just got it. Absolutely. Yeah, it was great. But yeah, I was a little reluctant to get into WandaVision when it first when I first saw it I was like this looks a little weird um and so I I did start watching I was I was I think two weeks behind I didn't start when it first came out it just wasn't one of those to-do watches um and, and when I turned it on and watched the first couple episodes and anybody who's seen it knows it's it harkens back to old sitcoms of the past it was very nostalgic for me and I, I was thinking about my grandmother and uh and what you know, being at their house and watching I Love Lucy, and my grandmother liked to think that she was I Love Lucy, and you just they did a really nice job of tapping into that nostalgia, but at the same time, giving you a little bit to 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 keep going forward on. And they're at a point now, they just finished episode four, or I just finished episode four going into episode five next week, but uh, it's exciting stuff. So I recommend if you can get through the first three episodes that you will be uh, rewarded with some good episodes coming forward. So I'm excited about that moving forward. And then I just picked up a, um, a, a new uh, movie, uh, Little Things on HBO. So um, with Denzel Washington, he's an all-time classic. So 
um love watching that kind of stuff so that's that's kind of what i've got on the weird uh weird watches moving forward that's good so I, i'm enjoying wandavision too i appreciate that and it's, it's a it is a fun show i think uh, the marvel universe is, is just going to be continuing uh some great stuff ahead of us here as is star wars so it's fun to watch these things so i i have nothing negative to say to your comments today dave which leaves me a little bit sad but that's okay that's okay good good small round dave before we go i gotta ask right we've got a super bowl coming up uh this coming weekend Chiefs or Bucks? Uh, it's, this is, uh, you know. <laughs> Chiefs or Bucks, Dave? Chiefs or Bucks? I think the Chiefs are going to win, but right. I wouldn't mind if the Bucks won. You can't, you can't have it both ways. You got to just take hey, it. I'm, I'm older, more, more mature in my fandom at these days. And so <laughs> I just want a good, I just want a good sports story. I like Patrick Mahomes though. I think they're, there's nothing to hate about those guys. And, and Brady, now that he's not on the Patriots, there's, I, I don't necessarily hate him. I know you do, but. You know. No, I've overcome that. I've overcome that, to be honest with you. I'm, I'm working through it. I'm, going, I'm, I'm, I'm you know, talking to a therapist. I'm married to one, and I'm working through those issues. So I, I'm looking for a good game as well. Jen, uh, Dave's still working on a short burst, but, but we'll come over to you because you're always concise and to the point. So besides letting us know your pick for the Super Bowl, whether you care or not, uh, you got to give us your, your send-off information here. Uh, wait, the I have to make a pick for the Super Bowl? Is that what you said? You, you do. You do have to make a pick. Um. <laughs> Wait, what were my choices again? Oh. <laughs> I've oh, not man. been paying attention. Ah, Bucks were one with Tom Brady, so I'm going to go with that one. <laughs> A little part of me just died. Okay, Jen, what else you got for us? Uh, anyway, uh, mine's kind of cybersecurity related. I thought it was funny in my kind of uh, perusing today. I saw something that kind of tripped my trigger. It's from a security firm that does a lot with the Internet of Things. And the title of it was The President and the Peloton, a security love story. And while I haven't read the entire thing, um, pretty much the one of the first subtitles was why is an exercise bike a risk worth a national discussion and i will include that in the show notes but i just got i just thought that was funny yeah, yeah so it, it was good it's been, it's been a lot of good posts about that and it's uh it's one i can appreciate i actually saw the article you're talking about it it was it, was, it started out good I, I didn't include it in the sun today but it was it was a good topic so i do appreciate that yeah shoot, shoot the link over and we'll, we'll include that in the show notes as well it was it's uh it is a good topic at least good things to think about about all the cool stuff we have in our homes these days and i was going to go one way with my sort of outgoing comments here, but uh, I'll save that. I was going to touch on the TV world that Dave lives in all the time, but I'll say that for another day. And since we're talking football, I'll just say that as a Lions fan, I was very excited to see one, some awesome hiring, I think the last couple of weeks, but two, it's very rare in football where you see a trade that is good for everybody involved. And I was excited to see uh, our Detroit Lions longtime quarterback, Matt Stafford, get traded to the LA Rams in a trade I think was good for the two major players involved, good for the two franchises and good for the league. So a really good story and exciting uh, turn of events there between Detroit and LA and excited to see where that goes. And next year as a Lions fan, it's always next year. So I'll keep on cheering and I'll share my TV comment for another day. So wait, yeah. you, you can't say next year with the Detroit Lions when you got, you know, Jared golf. I mean, you're, you're hoping that these first round draft picks amount to something. Oh, 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 oh. On that cheery note from the Cowboys fan, we're going to wrap up today's podcast. We're going to keep cheering for next year, despite Dave's sad, angry hostilities coming out of me towards the end. Dave, thank you, sort of. Jen, thank you very much. Well done, team. And that's our podcast. So as always, 
Looking forward to your upcoming podcast. Excited about what you already shared. And I hope those listening will subscribe and check them out too. Let us know any feedback you have on a video platform for these exciting podcasts. Please listen, subscribe, yell at us all you want. Dave likes that more than he probably should. You can find us on Twitter, on LinkedIn. You can email us at podcast at gay15.global with any ideas, comments, hate mail, or whatever. So until next time, continue to live free and be reasonably safe. Thank you very much. That's the show. Thank you.